Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Welcome, welcome. Why we have a we do have a jingle. Obviously, we have a jingle, but do we need to like in season two do like you and I singing a welcome to Parks and Recollection? Yeah, add a second jingle, like uh, courtesy that again. Like, yeah, shout out to that real theme song, but then you meet you me and Rob just sing for thirty seconds, a minute for no reason. <laughs> I don't know. I think they probably have heard enough of our talking, but it, it doesn't change the fact that this is Parks and Recollection. And you are listening, as Pert Hapley would say, this is a podcast that you are listening to, Parks and Recollection, with me, Rob Lowe, and Alan Yang. How you doing, Rollo? Super, super good. I'm excited about this episode. Today we are doing camping. I'll let you describe it. But uh, I have many things to say because it feels like I did this last week. That's amazing. I'm, I'm really excited because I wasn't on set for this one, so this is a good tag team effort. But yeah, this is a lot of outdoor shit. This is like you in the woods. It's like nighttime. Like we'll, let me, we'll talk about how that is to shoot Parks and Rec at night in the outdoors as opposed to on a soundstage because the next episode is back on the soundstage. So episode details, episode title, Camping, Season 3, Episode 8, written by the great Aisha Muhar, my former roommate. <laughs> uh, we lived together in uh, Hancock Park while uh, we were working on the show. Directed by Rob Schraub. Original air date, February 24th, 2011. And the blurb, Leslie sets up a camping trip to brainstorm for new ideas, but she's the one who surprisingly can't come up with anything. Uh, nope's notes really quickly. The building we shot at the Quiet Corn, the bed and breakfast, is Mansion Adina in Pasadena, a 12-room Victorian mansion built around 1885 before Pasadena officially became a city. That's some deep trivia. Love that. The episode marked the appearance of Rob Lowe as a member of the regular cast. So, so this is your first appearance as like you're officially in, you're part of the team, you're part of the squad, no longer recurring, no longer guests, no longer just dropping by like a, like a visitor to a bed and breakfast. You're one of the family now. And uh, That's right. That's very, very exciting day for me. Really, really big day. And, and final notes note, during the introduction, footage of the Harvest Festival includes footage from the Calgary Stampede. What, what does that mean? Wait, is that what, what is that? Is like a well, the, what is that? The Calgary, the Calgary Stampede is a big deal. Okay, um, like I've known about it 
like like first of all, it's also the name of one of their sports teams. That's what I, I that's what I thought. Is is it a, a football team or something? What is it? It it's the rodeo. It's the big uh, rodeo in okay. Calgary, and um, it's a it's a super super big deal. I've been to Calgary, but it's been a long time. It's in. Uh, am I wrong? Is it uh, I'm trying Manitoba? Like, I believe. Is I it? Believe it's in Man- I believe it's or is in it Alberta. I think it's Alberta. Because <laughs> I think Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, my, my fault. Alberta. It's Alberta. And the great thing about Calgary is that's where people, if you're ever going to do a Western, you want to go there in the summer and shoot because it's daylight to like 1130. Oh, wow. Because it's so far north. Yeah. Is it near Banff kind of? I mean, whatever. It's a big it's a big province, but yeah, I feel like we did that for But are people tuning in to just listening to us talk about Calgary, Calgary? a place we don't know very well? Yeah. <laughs> Calgary Snappy is a rodeo. Okay, great. Um yeah. let's <laughs> get into the episode, I think, right? I mean, that's yeah. why not? Why oh, not? Yeah. All right. So the episode opens with Pawnee City Manager Paul touting the success of the Pawnee Harvest Festival, then immediately collapsing from a massive heart attack. Hilarious comedy. That's, I mean, that's that's what you're <laughs> I looking mean, for. It kind of took me by surprise. I was like, I forgot. I forgot this cold open. I was like, oh, man. And then, of course, he grabs her chest on the way to the ground. While Paul recovers from octuple bypass surgery, Chris is brought back to Pawnee from Indianapolis to fill in as city manager and tasks Leslie with coming up with some new large-scale revenue-producing ideas for Pawnee. That's right. I mean... You're back. Like, how do you get Chris Traeger back from... Indianapolis, where we last, I believe that's where we last saw him. And like, I know, we'll just murder a character. I like that you very uh, diplomatically say, like, Paul is uh, out of commission for a while. (laughs) It's very unclear what happens. Like, he's not dead. We're just saying he's recovering. Also, you come back as city managers. It's like, this kind of like a a nitty gritty political thing. But a lot of cities, they have a city manager who's very powerful. And sometimes almost more powerful than the mayor, which is sometimes a ceremonial position. And I think in Pawnee, it's kind of the case because Chris is kind of the, the kind of the boss of the city, like city manager, like, you know, in some cities, the mayor is powerful. Some city city council is, is powerful. I think in Pawnee, the, the city manager is kind of the, the nuts and bolts guy. And it is funny how they do that. Like in Los Angeles, everybody knows the mayor literally has no power. Literally, it's, it's, it's ceremony. All city councils. It's, yeah. the city council. It's like one of the most powerful it. city councils yeah. in the world, which is kind of crazy because I, uh, a friend of mine ran for city council and she won. So she's on the city council. Kind of crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're back. You're back on the on the team. And um, yeah, I, I think we talked about in the writer's room a little bit how to get you back and and what the structure would be. And um, we had Paul Iresco who played... Uh, 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 that was the character. Sorry, that was the character's name, and we're like, let's get him. Uh, let's give him a heart attack, I guess. Let's give him a comedic heart attack and and, and bring Chris Trigger. That comedic heart attack that we all know. Yeah, a classic, classic, the classic thing. What, now, was this was this a a um uh, was this pitched? Did you come up with this on a retreat? I believe the timing would have been that you guys had been on your annual retreat. Yeah, so it's actually kind of funny. This episode and the following episode, uh, Andy and April's uh, party episode, uh, we talked about the season arc at our annual writer's retreat. So just to tell you guys a little bit about this, um, I believe this started happening season three. It probably didn't happen till this season. So this was in between seasons two and three. And like we've mentioned before, we only had a very short break because we extended... And we shot uh, the first six episodes of season three after season two immediately. And so we didn't really have a break. So I think we needed a little bit of creative juice refreshing. Um, And so we would go to this hotel down uh, by Laguna Niguel. 
Um, and this is very, uh, very generous of the studio and Mike uh, to, to just take us all down there and we'd stay for a couple nights uh, and talk about where the show was going. And it's kind of this opportunity to like, you know, it's 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 what people do with 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 their corporate retreats, et cetera. But it's kind of more fun because it was just a bunch of comedy writers. We would go and we'd hang out in the conference room and just kind of pitch ideas. And you're just you know, that energy where you're kind of stuck together. Like, I think it's also like a good bonding exercise. Well, that's team, what I was going to ask. Yeah. I mean, it was all just like, you know, we do the writers, you know, you do the room or whatever, but then you'd have lunch together. And then afterwards you'd have a glass of wine. And then, you know, we like, we would play celebrity a lot. Yeah, What you kind know, of team celebrity. building did, did you do? What kind of team? Uh, well, he, I mean, I think this is where we were very fortunate. Like it was just such a gr- good group of people, you know, and it, like I said, like Aisha was my roommate, like literally like I love I live with one of the other writers and there was kind of a good camaraderie, a good and there was just kind of like by this time, there was kind of the second generation of Parks writers like the first season. Um, you know, I think I was the youngest kid. And then season two, we added Aisha, we added Katie Dippold and we added Harris Whittles and, and we were all kind of in our 20s. And it was like, OK, now we have like a little little a JV team of writers who are all kind of younger along with all these great veteran writers who'd been there for a while. And no, it was just a really friendly group. And it, I just remember going, like we would go back to the conference room at night and just like play games. And it would just be, I mean, that's kind of fun, right? That's how you kind of build not not hating being in that room because even though you have to spend a lot of time with each other, it is fun, man. I remember Mike coming in being like, you know, like obviously I, I miss my family when I work, but it's so funny to be here because everyone's so smart, right? Everyone's so smart and 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 hilarious at the same time. So we got to know each other a lot better, and you know, I remember having great times with you know all those writers that I mentioned, and and Mike Scully and Emily Spivey and and, and Dan Gore and Mike, and and just uh you know just just a really fun time. So this was kind of inspired by okay, well, what if Leslie had essentially writer's block and took everyone on a camping retreat to try to jog her jog her brain um but yeah I, I, there'll be more stories about writers retreats in the future but a lot of it was celebrity and then uh, us getting into fights about the game celebrity and what you're allowed to choose as a clue because uh it wasn't always us picking celebrities sometimes it would be uh, uh be random nouns or uh, a phrase <laughs> like and it was impossible to get like what so it was like a, like what uh it would be like uh it would the clue instead of you know celebrity is a game where you say like it's brad pitt or whatever and someone has to make like you know either give clues or gesture like charades to like for someone to guess brad pitt right um at a certain point in at the writer's retreat we would uh it would be so abstract and obscure it would be like the clue instead of being something tan like tangible like brad pitt would be uh aisha standing behind harris making a peace sign with her hands and Harris is bending over and they're both singing uh, the Star Spangled Banner. And so you'd have to guess that, which is impossible. I mean, it's impossible. What would it be? And then we would get into fights. Like, like, that, would, have to, you, that would be the, the, that would be the answer. Oh, Jesus. So, that, so, so, like, so this, people got in like huge fights over this. Like, that's not a clue. You would write that down and put in the hat. And you'd pull that out of the hat. And you'd be like, I can't give clues for this because it's impossible. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's the kind of shit we were doing. It was a truly a waste of time. But also... A ton of stuff got done there. So this was one of the episodes we broke there in the next one as well. And, and we'll, we'll get to that next episode. Um, but yeah. It, it, and also, the, the final note is the retreat was in the same place every year. And I think that's uh, Mike Shure's, like, he, he didn't want to go anywhere else. So he just always at the same place. <laughs> I like, um, I, I love that people who get to do that, like Adam Sandler, when he makes his movies, it's always, he just makes them wherever he wants to vacation. Like, if you've ever noticed that, I'm not kidding. He 
legitimately is like, ah, eh, it's going to be in Cabo San Lucas or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's not, I, we've discussed this before. It's like, is there anyone who's figured it out more than Sandler? He makes movies with his friends, has a good time, makes a ton of money, shoots. And by the way, every so often he'll throw one in with a prestige director. He'll, he'll do a, he'll, he'll do a punch drug love. He'll yep. do an uncut gems, yep. you know, and it's like, oh, he's figured it out, man. He's figured it out. And, and I think he clearly, nice guy. he clearly wears his own clothes as well. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's always comfortable. Dude's wearing basketball shorts to The Tonight Show, and uh, people love him. Yep. So, God bless. Sandman. Um, <laughs> did you guys do anything? Like, it, you guys didn't do retreats, but you guys hung out as actors, right? As a cast? I mean, this this was a very close cast. The Parks and Rec cast of all the different things I've been on, um, you know, texting was kind of, uh, everybody had a text thread we were on, but we were also so so busy which is the thing I loved about the show is everybody was so industrious as he is doing his standup, you know, um, Nick Offerman with the wood, the woodworking shop and writing books and, you know, Amy, you know, directing and Rashida writing screenplays and that this cast was so ambitious and had so much else going on. In addition to the show, Chris was doing movies, Moneyball and audition, all that stuff. And I, at one point I was doing, um, three other projects when I was doing parks that we were the closest of any cast that I've been a part of really, but very rarely got, had a chance to get together because we were so busy. I remember we had a great Indian food night. I do remember an Indian food night. That was particularly fun. And I think Greg Daniels did a um, season finale party or something, but we were busy little bees. Yeah, I, it's always so fun. We we should do it more often. The, the, the show, uh, the current show I'm doing right now, uh, which is called Loot, um, we did a season finale dinner downtown and just like fun for everyone to to to, to be together because a lot of times people don't realize like the cast isn't on set at the same time. You know, they're often split up into different stories. So it's kind of fun to, to have everyone uh, kind of in the same building at the same time. Um, all right, onwards with the synopsis. Always up for a challenge. Leslie organizes a mandatory camping trip for the less than enthusiastic parks department to help brainstorm ideas to generate new revenue and tags along in an attempt to avoid an awkward run in with Chris and Andy decides to join the trip in order to have a romantic getaway with April out in the woods. So this was kind of idea, the idea of, well, we just finished harvest festival. <laughs> it's like all this energy had been expended. It's like, what's next? And now this is kind of like a meta episode because Leslie's like, well, what do I do next? It's kind of like the writer saying, like, what do we do next after this? So this is, uh, I don't know. It, it felt like a little bit meta to me watching it for sure. I love, I, I, listen, you know, what's the number one rule about writing? Write what you know, you know, write what you're going through, write, write what, what's, what you're living through whenever you can. And that's what you guys were doing. Like, Hey, what's next? I know let's write an episode where it's about what's next. Yeah. And, and what was it? So you went out there and shot out in the wood, oh, right? Where was the shot? Bro. Like, I mean, <laughs> okay. First of all, uh, to be parks and rec is such an indoor show that to have an episode that's almost entirely or feels like it's almost entirely outdoors. So jarring. And then you add it to night, a lot yeah. of it. And, it was hot as Hades. <laughs> so, recurring theme in the show, by the way. Like, if you listen to this podcast, you know it's like so hot so all the time. Hot. And then also, listen, you know, the outdoors of Southern California does not look like the Midwest. It looks nothing like Indiana. Nothing. And 
it kind of makes me laugh. If you look at where we're camping, it, it looks nothing like anywhere in Indiana <laughs> I've yeah. ever been before. I'm sorry. It's just. Yeah, it's clear. Like the, yeah, it's, the, it's not the woods like Indiana woods, it, like the mountains. They should retitle in the in the like single line description of the show. The Parks gang goes clearly and very obviously goes camping at the Disney Ranch. Yes. The Disney Ranch, by the way, where they shoot everything outdoors. Everything. It's like everything that's like, it's a farm or a ranch or whatever. It's, it's that always a Disney They shot ranch. the entire season of Justified in the Disney Ranch. They shot the yeah. entire season of True Blood, which is supposed to be New Orleans, at like the Disney Ranch. Yes. It, it's, it's the legendary Indiana mountains, right? They're, yes. they're climbing these mountains like the, but, but it's also like, and we talk about night shooting because, because. Uh, if people don't realize, you know, if you're basically turned around into nights, like it, it makes your day crazy you're, like, for the cast and the crew. Like, I, you know, I've, I don't know if you guys have read these stories about the shooting of that show Euphoria, but that show happens at night a lot. And so it's like you're just getting to work at like 10 p.m. and shooting till 10 a.m. or whatever Ugh. every day. And that's really crazy. It's actually really crazy to do. Like, and it's, you know, I, we try not to do that as much as possible because it's a really a grind for the crew and the cast. But it looks so, great. You know. That's the thing. Night, there's no getting around it. Nights look amazing. And most people, it's one thing to do them on a movie, but on a television series, you're shooting so often, so many hours, so many episodes that it's, it just kills you to do nights. So when you see nights on TV, it's super special. You ever notice like, like more crime happens in the daytime on television than actually happens in the world because nobody wants yes. to shoot crime at night because it's hard. Yeah. And when I worked with Ricky Gervais on a movie called The Invention of Lying, um, we were super excited for Ricky's. He didn't write the script. He rewrote it. And the very first thing he did when he rewrote it was took out every single night shoot. <laughs> yeah. It's, every night turns into day. Every You're single just, one. Look at this. For find and replace. <laughs> just do the <this> yeah. slug lines. <laughs> just find and replace. And, and then let's make most of the exteriors, EXT, into INT, interior. <laughs> just make it, make it, make this thing shootable so we're not outdoors and not all the time. But yeah, there's a time and place. There's a time and place. Um, but yeah, so we were breaking this story kind of in junction with the, with the Andy and April story, which we'll get to next episode. And, you know, uh, sort of, talking about placeholder or bottle episodes or whatever is like this show was a kind of a fine balance between episodic which is like stories that stand on their own like kind of like a flu season or you know you could just watch it and you kind of get it and and also tying into the larger arc right so um these are both kind of good examples both this episode and, and the fancy party episode of you get a little of both right it's like you reference the the harvest festival episode but this one has its own story right it's like she's doing the camping thing and at the end she gets you know she gets cured by ron but um you know i i think that delicate balance is 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 part of the challenge of show running a show especially one that runs 16 20 episodes whatever it is per season you got to have a lot that are just episodic and they're not an overarching story arc so there's challenges to both you know a show like breaking bad is like it's kind of like is one continuous story, but a show like Parks, it's like you kind of get both. Um, also want to shout out one of the particular jokes here uh, at five minutes. Ron says that uh, fishing is like yoga, except he still gets to kill something. So yeah, that's a, that that's a that's a uh, one of the one of the all time greats. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. 
Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, continuing on with the synopsis, once at the campsite, Tom reveals his audacious camping setup complete with a large screen TV, Froyo machine, and of course, the legendary DJ Roomba. As the group settles in and everyone starts pitching their ideas, Leslie starts to panic and it becomes clear she cannot think of anything that would top the Harvest Festival. Meanwhile, Andy has set up his love nest in the wrong campsite miles away, forcing him to trek through the wilderness and leaving April miserable and stuck with the rest of the group without Andy. Um, well, so many bits here. So many bits here. The best is um, we were so excited about Tom's tent. And that's where we all hung out. <laughs> you can tell. We all hung tell. out. It looks nice. Well, there was there was no usually, you know, you have a, your, your trailer or something to hang out in. But um, base camp where all that stuff was so far away from the so set. Far. And it was so hot that we, because he had a portable air conditioner, I believe. In oh, the, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think he, did he have a blow up kids pool? I think, I mean. There, uh, I mean, there's a like, couch in there. There's like an Xbox and a big you know, widescreen TV or whatever, a flat screen TV. And yeah, it, it looks very nice. He has an ice cream machine. I mean, <laughs> it looked like it was functional. It was. But yeah, that really made me laugh. I mean, this is, I feel like this was glamping before the portmanteau glamping was even invented. Like this was like real, real fucking glamorous camping. And you know, anytime I get to work with DJ Roomba, I was super excited because you, as, he's you, back. as you know, DJ Roomba, he's one of my favorite characters on Parks and Recreation. Yeah, it's it's uh, DJ Roomba and Pert Happily. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but this this is another example of like you know just fun sitcom writing and acting where it's like okay, the characters are all camping. What would each of them be like? Go, and then you can just pitch on that, right? It's like okay, Tom has a crazy setup like that. Ben doesn't like it. He doesn't like the outdoors. Chris loves the outdoors. He he runs all the time. And it's like everyone has their own specific attitude towards whatever obstacle you're putting in their way that episode. So this one's so clear, you know, it's like, and it, it comes up later when they're, when they're pitching ideas too. It's like, everyone's so on character. Um, there's another thing, uh, Jerry fishing with Ron, uh, talking about losing his virginity rather than Gail taking it when he was 24. Uh, apparently, you know, Nick, I think had a really hard time getting through the scene without breaking. I mean, was that a problem? I mean, I feel like he's so professional. He almost never broke, but I think in this scene, he was just breaking a lot. It's funny this whole thing about breaking right and in comedy and people love it. And it, it, it's just so funny. Cause on Saturday night live, I remember in the day it was a badge of honor to never break. And I remember one of the, one time, this is the pre Jimmy Fallon. Era well, era. this is <laughs> pre Jimmy Fallon. Well, that's yeah. the thing is like, it was so shocking to the old guard. Like, you know, I'd, I'd hosted a bunch and all the other people, Yeah, because if you broke, Lauren would famously say, um, get it together. We're not the fucking Carol Burnett show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it was a real thing. And then, of course, it became a thing. But I think you're right. I think the 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 real comedy assassins never, ever break. It's just not what you do. And so the fact that 
Nick would break was shows how funny this particular thing was. I mean, it's just like it's losing, yeah, losing his virginity at twenty four, and yeah, Gail I think, taking I think it. it was Gail took Gale his virginity. Yes, Gail taking it. Christy Brinkley, by the way, but yeah, um, I, I also it also made me laugh seeing so Tom pitched like we were saying, everyone's a character, right? They're pitching their ideas, you know. Offerman's uh, Ron is like, you know, we're going to give back the money to the town people, whatever. And Tom pitches, uh, you know, asking what Jay-Z, Lil Wayne and Drake have in common. Like they, they haven't performed Pawnee. They need to come perform. But like this was, I think, before we ever knew, like, as he's got in that world and would appear in a Jay-Z video. Like he became friends with Jay-Z. Like he, it became like reality. Like what he was pitching became his life. It's so crazy. Like I remember the day insane. that video came out. I remember watching it with Aziz on his phone. And I was like, this, what is, what is the world coming to? Yeah, what is your, well, what is, he's in a video called Otis, which is off Watch the Throne with Jay-Z and Kanye. I was like, this is, yeah, he just, there's a, a little Indian dude from South Carolina is in this video. It's like, why is he in this video? But like, I also like, for all, like, I went on to direct a different Jay-Z video. It's like, why would, like, how did this all happen? You know, it's like, this is, you make these jokes. And when you're kids, right, we're, we're kids. And then within a couple of years, you're working with those people. It's very crazy, man. Anyway, I just want to point that out, out how insane life can be, you know, just a lot of things. Um, it, you know, the other thing about this episode is a lot of times, you know, the Leslie Nope character, it seems almost superhuman. And I think it, it's a good lesson in writing to, to show that, okay, well, maybe 80% of the time or 90% of the time she can be superhuman, but you, you have to keep showing flaws, vulnerabilities. And in this one, she has the essential, you know, essentially what is writer's block. And so, um, you know, it helps develop her character to, to not always be perfect. And in this one, she's struggling and, you know, the act break is like, I have no ideas, right? I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and I think you have to sort of pepper that in so that the character doesn't become, you know, superhuman and just and totally insane. Um, I also want to shout, you were mentioning how different the, it doesn't look like Indiana. There's a shot at 11 minutes, 24 seconds where, where Leslie and Ben look at the sunset and it's, massively visual effects over because it's like it's just so clear like like i remember them like they had the shot like they had it in the edit room and we would look at it it's like yeah this doesn't look that good it's like get the vfx in there like let's make this sunset look like paris in the 1800s or something beautiful just like unbelievable pinks and, and like whatever purples or whatever but if you look at that shot it's like yeah this is uh this is not natural this is not real uh it made me laugh um, all right, onwards with synopsis. As night falls, the group sits around the campfire listening to Ron tell ghost stories about government bureaucracy. Chris emerges from the woods during his evening jog, and Anne decides to go for a walk with him to clear the air of their recent and confusing breakup. With morale low, everyone decides to scrap the trip and go home, but much to their dismay due to Tom's siphoning of electricity from the group's van for his many Sky Mall luxury camping amenities, the van's battery is now dead and they have no way to get home. Um, very funny bit though. I, I, you know, the Chris and Ann stuff is really funny. We'll get to the stuff later, but uh, very funny. I also thought it was good. By the way, kind of a repeat beat. I didn't notice this, but uh, also in Harvest Festival, uh, there's a blackout, and in this episode, the van runs out of power. It's like this is a go-to move in Parks and Rec in this era. I don't know who kept pitching that, but uh, but yeah, Tom siphoning the the, the van's energy is is very funny. I remember being gacked up that's a phrase we use i don't know if that's a phrase in the real world but it's a phrase in movie and tv world where you're wearing a lot of crap on you um and i i had set like 75 different lights on me because i was jogging at night i look like yep. a, i look like a robot coming out of yeah. it and i remember 
trying to figure out what how kind of bushes I would come out. And there was a big hill and I almost fell and hurt my leg, just trying to make it super, super bizarre. And I believe when Ann and I go on a run, uh, I run off and run up a tree and we had a parkour guy come come teach you and we no 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 what we did was what we call it oh he shot yeah, yeah we did what right, we call a right. texas switch so a texas switch is a thing when an actor here's the, the famous texas switches would be you know in the old cowboy movies you used to see them all the time where like you know an actor runs and does a horrible tumble you know dramatic tumble behind a and then lands behind a barrel and then the star is already hiding behind the barrel and then he gets up and runs away. So it's all in one thing. And you never know that the first part was a stunt man and the second part was the actor. So we did a Texas switch with me where I said, I, I said to him, like, I'm going to go for a run. And I took off down the trail, went past a tree, stopped at the tree that the parkour guy was hiding behind it. And he continued on. So it looked just like me. And then the guy was like a monkey. He, it was, it was insane what he was able to do climbing up that tree. This is also kind of like when parkour was hot. It was like, it, they were trying to put it into movies and stuff. Like a guy like just running up buildings and it, like, yeah, he just ran up the tree. Like it was like, he was an animal. Like you're saying, like it was, there was no, there was no climbing. He just ran straight up the tree. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Super funny. Super fun. Yeah. And then you come back in, you're like, I'm much more receptive to ideas. My heart rate is elevated. That was you. And then uh, I also love the Ron joke. When, when she looked back in the back of her car, she saw that although it was her own property, she would be forced to take it in for a state inspection. That's his ghost story. <laughs> very, very funny. Um, and oh, I also want to know, Tom, when the power goes out, he says, no, I was TiVo and Cupcake Wars. <laughs> First of all, TiVo. TiVo. So, TiVo keeps going up in the show. TiVo, big, big thing. And then uh, him being into Cupcake Wars made me laugh because later uh, in Master None, he would his character would host a show called Clash of the Cupcakes. So I, I guess that era was uh, very big. Cupcake shows were very big. Well, so but was it? It's kind of a but Aziz is a, Aziz is a huge foodie, though. Yes, huge foodie. Um, so much so now that like, uh, like I was telling you, Rob, I was over at Aziz's place yesterday and like, he's so into food now that he's like, he's like, I'll just cook at home. Cause like, he's like, I, I feel like I, I get the ingredients myself. I'll just cook it myself. And he's like, he's like, I'll go get some fresh fish. He got some fresh fish and he was like, okay, I made these tuna tostadas. They're inspired by a contramar in Mexico city. It's like, this is insane. Like, this is a very high level. He's gone from like going to restaurants to like, I just will cook the food better than the restaurants now. So it's, Hey, it's a good friend to have, you know, very it's, much it's better so. than a, it's a better, better than a friend who doesn't do that shit. So, <laughs> um, all right. Oh, a prompt, a challenge from the producers here is in the notes. Tom holds up a rented DVD of NCIS Los Angeles season one from Pawnee, quote unquote, Pawnee Video. Well, first of all, and, go, go ahead, finish, yeah. finish the prompt because I have an uh, Yes, you have to, in a town with amazing names for stores and businesses, the video rental store was just named Pawnee Video, which is a good point. They didn't really try on that one. Well, you know what we have here, don't you? We have the first moment in this episode of the Ray Donovan. It's a, NCIS is like an even more mainstream Ray Donovan. That's like Ray Donovan is like a little bit. Ray Donovan is like your cooler cousin likes it. NCIS is like you're down the middle, man. Yeah. You're down the middle. But in, in particularly season one, I think there have been 17 seasons of NCIS. 
Yes. And my mom is a big NCIS head. She watches CSI. She watches NCIS. She watches Criminal Minds. It's like, she's just like, yeah, once you're on, once you're on those shows, she, she'll, she'll watch. What you, what you forget about, and NCIS is the one with Mark Harmon, right? I think so, originally. I mean, this says NCIS Los Angeles. That's like a spinoff. Isn't that the, uh, isn't that the uh, LL Cool J Chris O'Donnell version? Yes. I, I could be wrong. <laughs> I think I well, here's what's, what people forget is NCIS <laughs> can trace its lineage back to Aaron Sorkin. Because wow. what it is, is it's a few good men on TV. That's right. That's, that's what it right. is. It literally is, how do we make a, a few good men a TV series? And that yeah. became NCIS. And they hired Mark Harmon to play it because Mark Harmon at the time was playing the handsome stud secret serviceman on The West Wing. The West Wing. And that's how it all happened. Hmm. There you go. And I there think, you go. NCIS. Yeah. Tune it. Come for the, 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 the Parks and Rec recaps. Stay for the NCIS lore. <laughs> the, the, the history just just get your uh, just get your, that's get our your next podcast down in a row. Let's, yeah, let's break NCIS. down NCIS. And uh, by the way, the challenge from Schulte in the in the in the producers: what could the video store have been called if not Pawnee Video? Mm. Mm, let me think for a second. Uh, how about uh how about uh how about this? How about uh instead of Pawnee Video, Indie Movies, but Indie is spelled I N D Y. Oh, that's really because it's Indiana, oh, dude. That I, that's a throwdown mic. Okay. That's a mic drop. That's why you get the Book big it. bucks. <laughs> All right. Uh, it, it, it's something. It's something. All right. Luckily, Jerry remembers seeing a small bed and breakfast. Down, bed and weirdly. I said that very strange. Luckily, Jerry remembers seeing a small bed and breakfast down the road. The group hikes to the creepy, cat-infested, quiet corn run by a strict old lady named Elsa Clack, where Leslie reveals to Ron that he's totally blo- she's totally blocked. Ron reacts by locking Leslie in her room to get a good night's sleep. Meanwhile, Andy finally catches up with the group at the inn and recreates his romantic tent setup for a smitten April. After a restful seven hours of sleep, Leslie emerges recharged with a fresh new set of ideas that Chris ends up loving. The episode ends with Ben revealing straight to camera that the bed and breakfast owner Elsa Clack died the night before, shortly after playing the group a song on the piano. What a death! What um, a death! in this uh, <laughs> it's honestly one of the funniest things when this episode ends when this episode ends and she's he says she died 20 minutes afterwards it is really funny it's really funny. it's like the, it killed that killed and then the other thing that killed at the table read was ron swanson saying what the fuck is a german muffin like that, that yeah. it still destroys me he's so funny man it just like it just destroys it is it, it's so funny i would like to point um, out that your reading just now of the synopsis was was bordering on Christopher Walken ish because of the way <laughs> b- because of the way because what Chris does Chris Walken is famous for the way he talks and what he does not a lot of people I I discovered it when I grabbed his script a- accidentally when I was doing a play with him is yes. he removes all the punctuation yeah he takes it out so there's no periods there's no commas there's no nothing so he makes up his own stuff so the first line of this is luckily Jerry remembers seeing a small bed. And breakfast down the road. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly what I did. It's like putting pauses in. You know, it's so other some other people do. Like I notice Alec Baldwin does this sometimes too. Not as extreme, but putting pauses in just random places. Yeah. Like in this case, between bed and breakfast, <laughs> which is what I did accidentally. But it's so funny. Like and and Walken is the king of it. The man. King Walken is just like he's running through periods. Right, it's like bed. And breakfast down the road, the group hikes. It's like, what? That's it's all you, you're removing all syntax. It's a great, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a great acting, it's a great exer- trade. acting exercise. It really is. Yes. 
it, it makes people like it keeps them on their toes or something. I noticed the same thing about walking for sure. And and I saw it a little bit with Baldwin too. You know, notice when they, yeah, it, it's, it's a good comedic device also. Yep. Um, this bit about the, the quiet corn, this uh, bed and breakfast was based on Mike Scher's hatred of bed and breakfast. We, we went on a long rant in the room about this. It's like, no one wants this. It's like, you're getting, you're getting, you know, you want a hotel. You're kind of left alone. They come and like clean your room and like they use the room service. It's like, no, what about if there's a weird owner like hovering over you? constantly you got to eat with them it's like they're you're in their house it's like you're uncomfortable the bathroom's down the hall or whatever it, it, it we went off on it a long time so that's kind of where the quiet corner i have to agree with mike sure i bed and breakfasts give me the heebie-jeebies it's weird right big time and people love them oh we're just gonna find a uh, a b and b ugh, ugh, yuck <laughs> You're just living with like a whatever this weird proprietor. I mean, they're always weird. Like it's and they're haunted. Uh, they're usually haunted. That's the one. By the way, that would be the if there is a selling point about a bed and breakfast. To me, that's it. If you say it's a haunted bed and breakfast, I'm I'm so down. I would rather be there than the Four Seasons. But other than that, no way. Yes, and and you know, Craig Levine makes a note here. Ben reads the note in the guest book. There's a guest book, right? about the three nights of ecstasy in the room. He says, I might be wrong, but I remember that the original joke was that Jerry wrote the note. Alan, does that ring a bell for you? Yeah, I think, I, I also believe the joke was that Jerry had stayed there with his wife and wrote about three nights of ecstasy in the room. I also think it got changed because Mike was afraid of doing that. <laughs> I think he, he didn't want the characters to have seen that. So I, I, I think it got changed to just a random person. Um, and and the, finally, like just, Going back to this Ben talking head saying that Elsa Clack died, uh, Mike always claimed that, well, Greg was like, he's being sarcastic, like he's joking about how old she was, whatever. But we had this debate in the writer's room as well, and Mike kept claiming that, no, she did die, which is like very dark and also like not his sense of humor, which is like, I don't know what he was, what was going on in his brain at this time, but he, he never does dark stuff. Look at all his shows, they're the most positive shows in the world, but for whatever, for whatever reason, he, he wanted Elsa Clack to have passed away, so... Um, final thoughts on the episode. I, a really fun one. And, and, uh, you know, it's hard to come back from something like Harvest Festival, but again, I, I just really thought there was a lot of great character comedy in this one. You're seeing all the characters kind of express themselves in this different setting. And yeah, it's a fun way back into the show. I, um, I loved the fact that people were so concerned that we would all get poison oak shooting. This oh, episode. really? Was that like a safety thing? There's always these safety meetings, like safety meetings, like every day, you know? Yeah. The, the, it's like, all right, listen up, everybody. Okay, today um, we're going to get through this. We're going to have a really good day. We've got eight pages to do, so we really got to hustle, and uh, weather looks like it's going to be good. On your left is Poison Oak. Make sure you stay away from the Poison Oak. There are snakes in the vicinity. We have our snake rambler. Bill, do you want to say anything? No, I'm good. Bill will be taking care of the snakes. That's literally what like a safety meeting was. Yes, it's, it, that's a great impersonation of it, and it's also like it's the AD, right? So it's like on, on this show, Steve Day was a wonderful AD, and uh, you know, Susie Flower was another idea we had, and, and they're, they're just very businesslike. They're very sort of like they're authori They're authority. We will be burning someone to death in this episode. There is a fire <laughs> gag. Uh, ambulances yes. are standing by. 
Yes. It's like that kind of stuff. And it's always like, we are outdoors. Stay hydrated. Yeah. Wear sunblock. <laughs> the medic has sunblock. He has... Be, be careful. Watch where you step. There are holes in the ground. There are rattlesnakes. It's, it's always that, right? It it's, is it's, exactly. It's so business-like, yeah. right? It's always stay hydrated. Always stay hydrated. Always stay hydrated. Um, which is a good, yeah, good advice for life. Yeah. Good advice That's for life. Right. Um, all right. Oops moment. We see DJ Roomba in this episode, but as we all know, DJ Roomba died in the Sweetums episode and haunts Jerry in the halls of the Parks Department. Uh, yeah, my in my head canon, uh, he keeps rebuilding DJ Roomba. He's kind of like C-3PO. He just keeps rebuilt over and over again. Uh, I think he's never going to let DJ Roomba die. No, no one wants to see D- DJ Roomba dead. Nobody. No, it's 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 fantastic. Okay, episode MVP, most valuable Pawnee, and actually a lot to choose from. Mm. Which character moments episode sticks out to you most and why? Wow. I'm going obscure. I'm going super, super obscure. I'm going with the parkour guy, who, by the way, most of his performance <laughs> got cut out of the show. Because I'm telling you, the guy was a monkey. Yeah, I mean, we got to dig this up. We got to dig up this footage. And it's not, it's, I don't think much of it, if any, is actually in the show. And so he sacrificed his best for naught. Uh, I'm going to go with Elsa Clack and her 50 cats. Uh, and then close runner-up, uh, Paul Iaresco, who... Comes to the show for two minutes, has a heart attack, and grabs Leslie's breast. So that was his work day, and then he went home. Just like, all right, what a weird fucking work day. Um, all right, and listeners, let us know who your MVP is by tweeting at Team Coco Podcast or by using the hashtag Parks and Recollection. You ready for a town hall? Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Is this a town ho- hall or a town howl today? It's a town howl. It's an audio message. Howl. Thank you for all your messages. We, 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 we take a look at all these emails and messages. So thank you so much for sending them in. It's really exciting. We're getting them from all over. Um, so yeah, town howl. We clearly need to do this at the campsite. Yes. Campsite slash, and then uh, we'll do the second half of the quiet chord, the embedded breakfast. Everybody, this is a safety <laughs> meeting for the town howl that we will be listening to a call in. It will be audio. You will be able to hear it with your ears. Please make sure that you are standing in a proximity to listen to the howl. Thank you. Let's have a good day, everybody. Let's get to work. If it's too loud, there is ear protection available. The set medic has ear protection, so you'll have the ear. Pl- there's always ear protection, right? <laughs> it's like there's like a there's like a helicopter on yeah, set yeah. or a plane. It's like ear protection. It's, it's just, I mean, it's great. Look, they're doing their jobs. Yeah. Um, all right, should we play this down, Schulte? Let's do it. Hey, this is Diane from Oceanside, California. Huge fan of the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. It's excellent. Uh, my question is, 
about coming into a new show as a writer or actor. Uh, Rob, you mentioned that you hadn't really seen Parks and Rec before you came in, and I was just wondering if that's you know typical for actors or for writers who join in later seasons. Do you typically not watch a show so you don't come in with preconceived biases, or do you just sort of trust the showrunners and the directors to get you where you need to go. Just curious what uh, most people do and what your reasoning is for not watching before you join a show. Um, thank you for considering the question and have a great day. Bye. Good question. Super good question. I, I've done it both ways. I've done it where I've um, done tons of research because you, you definitely want to know what's going on. And then I've, I've done it where I feel on Parks and Rec, where um, part of it was I think that it was sort of in the zeitgeist that the show was actively and consciously trying to f- go into a new gear. So I didn't want to look at the old gear. Um, but I think a- as a rule, you definitely want to do your due diligence and get a sense of what people are doing. And so, so you can fit in and hit the ground running parks was, was really in a, in a transition as we've talked about a ton when Adam and I came in. So we kind of wanted to, to, to start our own, our own thing. So there really wasn't that much of a, a reason to look at it. And also I, I so trusted Mike and, and Amy and, and knew that it, it, I would just follow their lead. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes the director or showrunner will sort of guide you as to what they're interested in. Right. Sometimes, you know, they'll be like, Hey, you know what? Don't watch a hundred, you know, or like if you're adapting a book into a movie, like don't read the book. Like they'll, sometimes they'll tell you that. And uh, you know, it's similar for a writer if you're joining late and especially even for your meeting, right? It's like you're coming in. There are, there are certain shows where it's like you need to watch them all and just be able to be conversant in the show when you get in. Like I, I, I remember a funny story. I think my friend Rhett, uh, met on The Office to write for The Office. And then I think, this, I don't know if this is apocryphal, but I believe Craig Daniels was like, what do you think we should do with Jim and Pam? Just like asking the writer, like, oh, that's a big question. I mean, like, I feel like that that's a tough one even for like the, 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 the existing writers to pull off. But yeah, I mean, I think and I think actors and writers also differ on like how much they want to go into that, like preparation wise, like there are type and, and it, 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 it's kind of different strokes. Right. It's like some actors will prepare like crazy. You know, they'll become a cobbler in Italy for two years before doing it. And then some actors will do something totally different. And um, but yeah, I think like, you know, sometimes you want to sort of be really, really conversant, but it depends. I think Rob has a salient point, which is the show was kind of changing in tone. You know, I think if you watch the episodes that Rob's in, they're very different from, say, the pilot. And so the other uh, the other thing is uh, I'm glad that he didn't watch the show because then he got to watch them fresh for this podcast. So that's right. Great job, Rob. Hey, great job. Uh, decade ago, Rob. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. Um, that's all I got, Robbie. Anything else? No, I think we're good. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe where you get your podcast and leave us a five-star review on Apple. It really, really matters. Five stars, five stars. Thank you to Schulte and Greg, and goodbye from Pony. See you next week. Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening. 
and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.